Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Warning! Contains strong language and adult themes throughout. Bonjour, je m'appelle Crystal Rasmussen. And I'm Candy Warhol. And I can't speak any languages. And you're listening to Le Dragonians, Le Podcast. Podcast, Le Dragonians. Darling, how are you? I'm good, my love. But before we start, I just need to talk about this look that you're wearing today. It's sort of a, a Warzel Gummidge scarecrow motif. I'm really glad you noticed and understood. I did. Well, it was hard not to. I think I think for people who, who aren't aware of Cristal's, you know, fashion, you know, when Cristal commits to a look, she commits to a look. And um, when Driver and I were motoring up to um, Comedy Central Towers this morning, I looked out the window and you were just hanging off, you know, a scarecrow stick, just pointing left and right. And I was like, there she goes again, committing to another. Well, you road. know, you know, Candy, that I have always been method. You know, I've been a method actor for as long as I, mm. you know, it, you know, and you know, to, even to prepare for this podcast, I spent you know a hundred and ten days in in a sensory deprivation booth. Mm. Um, you know, and I didn't feel, hear, see a thing, just so I no. could really maintain sure. my focus. You know, mm. when talking and thinking and. You know, and that was really amazing. And, you know, when I was the lead in Kramer versus Kramer, I played both Kramer versus and Kramer. <clears throat> you know, I spent months, you know, craving. And mm. it was amazing. Uh, for me, just another crazy, crazy weekend, Crystal. I went cruising um, again with my friend, Jane McDonald. And, mm. you know, up until this weekend, I really thought I knew what cruising was. But for Jane, or Miss McDonald's, as I call her, she takes her cruising seriously, Crystal, as you know. And I haven't slept a wink. We've gone from park to park, the seaside, gyms. You know, she uh, got us a little canoe and we sailed down the Thames. And she was just spotting, you know, bear after bear and cub after cub and otter after otter. And I, I just need, I need my 40 winks after this. So once we're finished this, I think a few dozen cocktails for me and a little disco nap, I think, my love. Be an, it'll be a little while before I um, engage with that again. I just, the stamina, as you said, is just uh, no, incredible. I'm proud of you, girl, for even trying. Candy, what are we talking about today? Uh, t- today, Crystal, we're talking about family. What does family mean to you then, besides besides um, press and attention? You know, for me, family means, you know, fragrance opportunities and also Marxism. And I think, I know a lot of our viewers will be confused by what that means. But mm. I think if you just listen on to today's episode, Marxist theory will be completely deconstructed, critiqued and reconstructed through a post-structuralist Butlerian lens. So let's do it, Candy. 
Completely. And speak of Marxism, I think it's time for Candy and Crystal's Concerns. Listen up, you're about to learn Candy and Crystal's Concerns. By the look of you, honey, your nails are chewed to bits. I can hear your stomach mm. churning. You stink mm. of literal shit. You know, what's going on with you? Well, you know, Crystal, I, I was dreading today because, I, you know, I don't like to talk about family. And I, I personally feel like you picked this subject to just really, really push at me. Um, uh, as you know, as many of our listeners know, I talk often about being plucked from an orphanage at a young age um, and and passed around from family to family like a slot bottom at an orgy. Um, you know, from Daddy Warbuck's mansion to Miss Crawford's mansion, you know, everybody used me for press um, until I escaped one night to the cold streets of Moscow where you 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 found me uh taught me how to wear women's clothing and and set this podcast up for me um i just feel like i've missed out on so much crystal you know i've 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 missed out on all the normal parent bonding uh experiences you know i've never been shown how to shoot a gun uh, put mm. out a hit on somebody or ride a bike and mm. at this stage I can't walk down the street without seeing a child on a bike and resisting the urge to throw them off the bike grab the bike and fucking oh, I can't even finish it I can't even finish I don't know how how to how to get past this Crystal oh, I mean you know that is essential parent child learning you know you know use a gun, all of those things, put a hit out on someone. That is, you know, what I was teaching my kids at one and two before they could read, really. They were learning how to, you know, dial my guy and just say the name of the person they wanted dead. Within 24 hours, boom, it would happen. But, you know, the riding a bike thing, Candy, I am not one to stop someone from pursuing their dreams. And while I think this is a sick and vile act of homophobia against me that you want to even talk about bicycles in this room, I am going to teach you how to ride a bike because you know what, girl, while I don't, ride one i know how to teach someone how to ride one so we're here live um, from our local dump uh, we couldn't find a um a bike park like crystal wanted to but um we believe that a a local dump is a perfectly safe place to um to bring a child to to learn new activities but listen um what is this what am i doing i'm i'm getting a lot of um uh, emotional stress just even looking at this to be honest well, I knew that. So what we've actually got you here today is a unicycle, because I think really, you know, it is, um, I think that is a more chic way to travel. From what I've seen of these things, you just sort of climb atop and roll around. I'm actually, I'm actually going to climb up you, Crystal, just because you're so uh, staunch. I'm just going to climb up you to get onto it. Um, right. Lift me higher, Crystal, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay. okay, that didn't work. On three. Okay. One, two, two, three. Oh my god, your shoulders are so broad. Oh, sorry. Okay, I'm up. I'm up. Hold me, Crystal! Right. Crystal? Crystal, hold me, Crystal! I'm gonna fall, Crystal! Catch me! Hold me, Crystal! Reach out your hand, Crystal! Here we are back in the studio and Candy could sadly not join us. 
So, you know, the rest of this episode is going to be just me and me and the listener and, and the guest, you know, and I'm just sending out a lot of love to Candy, who, you know, she, I, I don't even know what's worse than a third degree burn, a fifth degree burn. Krista? Uh, oh. Krista, what the fuck? What the fuck, Krista? I had no, that's such a surprise. Um, it's a, it a surprise for me too, Krista, waking up in a fucking bed in a fucking hospital ward. The fuck? Well, you know, I was just really trying to look out for you. You know, by not looking out for you, Ken, you can understand that. Look out for me once again, once again, not looking out for me, looking out for yourself. Um, and once well, again, I, you know, my bike trauma has just been increased, Crystal. <laughs> Thanks to you. I am, I am, you know, I thought I was doing the right thing. But I wasn't. And, you know, I can only, you know, when we make mistakes in life, we have to own up very much right. like that outfit you're wearing. You know, you should own up to how bad it is. That it is a mistake, Candy. And I'm owning up to, you know, I shouldn't have left you. I should have walked beside you as you rode that unicycle. But, uh-huh. you know, you know, my parents left me after the Bolshevik Revolution. Oh, I don't care about your parents, Crystal. And, you know, the words of your non-hit single, sorry, seems to be the hardest words, are ringing in my ears now, Crystal. And I just don't want to hear any more of it. I want to move on. Um, okay. Um, maybe a bit of work for you, Crystal. Do you want to introduce our guest today? You know, Candy, I will introduce our next guest because you know what? Unlike you, I'm a generous person. So it is an absolute privilege to have our next guest with us. He is the first ever LGBT correspondent for the BBC, which is a huge deal. Um, you know, ever, 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 except obviously I did that at the beginning and I was really good at it, but whatever, I, you know, bigger things. And, you know, and it is just so nice to welcome our friend, our ex-lover, you know, and and our Instagram crush, Ben Hunt. Hello. Hello. Hi. How are you, gorgeous? I'm hustling on through these dark and awful times. But Mm. uh, yeah, aside from that, I'm trying to live my best life still. Well, you're living your best life. And listen, uh, we just appreciate any time a guest comes into the studio in full drag. Um, this, 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 this lace front, also, this gown. Yes. And also you don't very, have to pull out all the stuff for you, boo, obviously. In a very Barbara Cartland kind of way, you're also holding very a, dog, Barbara a, a dog that seems to be in drag as well. Can you tell us a little bit about your dog? Say hello, Roxy. Yes, Roxy is out here living her best snorty life as a French oh. bulldog from Hungry Dog. Um, and yes, she is definitely thriving in these times. She is fully with us all day, every day, and making the most of our presence. And yes. No, actually yesterday as well, I was, and this is true, I, I left the recording to do something else and I was in drag holding my dog. And my mom said to me, oh, can't you like, put put um your lipstick on on Archie's lips? That'd be so funny and take a picture. And I was like, are you, what the fuck? Like, I was like, you crazy, you want me to just ruin any chance of a career I have <laughs> for the sake of like cuteness? No. No. No, cancel culture moves way too quickly for that. No risks <laughs> are being taken in these streets, especially not in these times. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I, no, I'm not going to go on and say I'm I'm all for, I, 
I'm not all for that, actually. I was danger, gonna I'm, all for, I'm all for putting makeup on a beautiful little dog. Just, you know, like a little bit of blush, tiny little bit of lips, you know, a little lip stain. Well, I, I, I actually did see on, um, just because I'm, I'm, I'm a weird that doesn't sleep at night, I did see on Amazon, Amazon are selling uh, wigs for dogs. Oh, no, I put the link up. Um, so I think I might little treat my little my little dog dog to a little fro well, or candy, a bob. That's candy. That's what you wear, isn't it? Wigs for dogs. Yes, wigs for dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, it is so wonderful to have you and this family member Roxy with us. And today we are actually Whoa. speaking about family. Um, and Ben, yeah. I know you are here to talk with us about something. So what? if you would enlighten us is your is your your topic or your dilemma yes so every single day i've been hearing from lgbt people around the country and around the world and recently um a lot of people have been talking about how they have moved home due to the covid19 lockdown and a lot of these people have found themselves in really tough situations where they're trying to almost hide themselves from their families the first way to, to deal with this like feeling of not being able to be yourself at home is if you feel like it would be okay or if you feel like you could maybe start to have those conversations. That's mm -hmm. like for a certain group of people who could, you know, and actually I think the thing that I was so surprised with with my mom when I first started to be honest about who I was with her was actually like the top line stuff was that she was scared that I was going to be hurt and all that stuff. But then the nitty gritty stuff, the like, you know, I feel this kind of way or I had this kind of experience or whatever, were weirdly stuff she'd kind of been through too. You know, I'm a, I'm a very a femme person and she obviously, she's a woman and, you know, she, we had a lot of similar ground and actually by discussing it honestly, that those things brought us closer. So I think if you're at home and you're feeling like you, you know, you're scared to broach certain topics, but you feel like it could be okay. I think there's only really good to come out of, uh, these sirens we love. I think that, um, you know, I think that's interest. I think that's like level one, right. Of the, yeah, these interactions. Yeah. And then I think like, you know, the other end of that spectrum that like you're saying is like, you're really afraid to even be watching an Instagram live, which like, that's really much harder because obviously like, if you know that that's going to cause a drama and cause a lot of pain, then a conversation isn't really going to go down well. So if you can talk about it, but if you can't, you know, I would say like, this probably is terrible advice, but it's a terrible situation. I would say like, do it in secret. And I know it might be not obvious, yeah. but like, you know, get under your duvet and put your headphones in and watch them yourself and make sure every, you know, make sure people are asleep and like be a little bit, I know it sounds really like bad advice, but be a little bit sneaky, like be a little bit un underhand and obviously, you know, be nice and whatever you can be and try and make things as smooth as possible, but like, don't go there. Be like, you know, it's, it's, it's for you, you need it. And that's important. And some people aren't going to understand and it's really hard, but I guess mm. if you can't, do you know what I mean? Try and do it. Is yeah, that fair? It's, it's kind of like it's back in the day when I was first coming to terms with my gayness and going into uh, shops and going into WH Smith and seeing like attitude and gay times. Yes. And thinking, yeah, let me just take that and just sneak it under my duvet and have yeah. a little read. Um, yeah, I suppose it is like that. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. That, it that, that fear of well, what happens if someone sees this because it literally exactly. does that, you know? And mm. and it's it's crazy that uh, a lot of these things like aren't sorted 
things like watching an Instagram live or reading, you know, or reading attitude. I remember when I was 14, our main broadcast over here, uh, RTE did what they called a queer weekend of oh. programming. And it was like some like it hot and like a live drag show from a club in Dublin. And like all the stuff that was like, the fact that they had to do a weekend and like, it was very edgy at the time. And I remember like locking myself in my room at 14, thinking that it was really bold and really bad that I was watching it. <laughs> that was my first time seeing like drag. I was just, you know, it, it was crazy, but it's crazy as well though. The, the, the fear and like the anxiety that that put me through in case like somebody walked in and caught me watching, I don't know, like, um, like a gay sitcom, <laughs> you know, <gasps> they'll know, you know? So it's, I it guess. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, it is, it is it? true. Like, when you actually think back, I think I had, my parents bought me a, a DAB digital radio. Yeah. And I remember there was like a fun kids channel and there was BBC like comedy or whatever else. And then I remember scrolling through and there was like gay deal. I was like, uh, Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. It was just the idea of like, well, if I accidentally leave this on, like, what does this mean? Like, does this exactly. literally out me to my parents? Yeah, it's crazy exactly. thinking back. Yeah, it is yeah. trying to cover the trail. And I think, you know, fire. Ben, earlier you kind of were asking a question about, um, you know, it's complicated because also when you're living with people, you want to feel comfortable. And also you want to feel, especially when it's your parents, you kind of want to feel grateful because I'm sure even if they're not understanding who you are, you know, your sexuality or your gender presentation, maybe they're understanding other things about you or they're cooking for you or all those things, you know, that you were kind of saying earlier. And I do think something that was really important for me growing up, you know, I was furious at my parents for so long because they were homophobic. I was so angry. I was so shit about them behind their back. And what I failed to see is that sure, it, it like that was really hard and I was like very upset and angry and very hurt but what I didn't realize until years later after I left was like they were they were like human beings and that they were really bad with my sexuality and my gender presentation but they were on other accounts really incredible parents in that they you know they had constant money worries but I never knew about that they always provided food they always provided shelter and so in terms of the question of can you be grateful and still be yourself you mm. can be grateful for some things, I think, to your parents. You can be, like, grateful that they are, you know, housing you and feeding you and whatever. But you don't have to hide who you are. And be, you know, I'm again, it's like this, these <laughs> yeah, big sure. conversations, are they're so hard to be definitive with. But I do think, mm -hmm. you know, I think it's so easy to, I think it's so easy and sometimes right to be like, fuck those homophobes, those fucking mm. bastards. <laughs> and I think, yeah. you know, in most cases that's fair. But I think sometimes... For your own peace of mind, not even for theirs to be like, you know, it is kind of them to do what they're doing for me. That doesn't mean I have to be wholly grateful and change who I am because they're, you know what I mean? Does that make yeah. sense? I think that, you I think know, it's, I retain think it's a sense of self and... Yeah, exactly. I, th I think I think exactly what you said. It's, 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 it's good to show... Um, a sense of, of of thankfulness for what your your parents are doing like our, our parents again shelter food love support but at the same time there shouldn't be um a sense of guilt you know if you're if you're thinking oh but they're not accepting you know the fact that i'm gay or trans or or, or non-binary whatever it is for you there shouldn't be a sense of guilt or a sense of thinking, yeah, but I can't get mad at them because you know they they cook, they make me dinner. You know, I think it's completely okay to voice those that feeling of, of frustration and upset with your parents. And just mm -hmm. like yours, we've we've myself and Christelle have spoken about this so many times. Our parents have always looked out for us and always loved us. Um, yeah. And 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 
you know, when we, but when me and Crystal came out at a very similar age, there was that sense of, oh, but your life is ruined and like, oh, like everything's downhill for, from here. And like, what can we do to like help? And it was then it was just now looking back, it was really just, it was just that generation of, but one of my parents didn't really have gay friends or they just didn't, there mm. wasn't, there wasn't coverage in the mainstream that wasn't, you know, just a funny character on Coronation Street or like the, the person who got like gay bashed on the, on the news, you know? So that's all my parents were seeing. And then through having conversations and just kind of them just seeing us just like actually live our lives and like not yes. have the world fall down because we're holding someone's hand really, really helps, you know? And now look at our parents, like our moms are obsessed with our drag, you know? Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> yeah, so cute. But we are too. We we're are very lucky. Of, we're very we are lucky. lucky. And I think like, you know, you know, I think that it is family ties and queerness and, you know, are so like, beyond complicated and every situation is individual and for every one person i meet who has had had a hard time with their parents and come through it there's another who've been completely rejected by their families and frankly i say like you know it's that is so hard but also like i guess the thing i say is like absolutely fuck like you know fuck them like fundamentally you should this is so old school and obvious but like you shouldn't be I don't know. Oh my God. It's so complicated here. I do this every time I go say something and I'm like, hang on. No, I don't <laughs> go really have believe. your Oprah moment, boo. Do it. No, but I don't necessarily, you know, it's impossible to make a, a statement on something that's so individual, but I do think what, what, you know, I, it, it infuriates me sometimes that, mm. you know, you would have a child and then, you know, not, it's so obvious, not accepted if it was gay. And I think like that is not on the child. It is not on the queer person to do the work for the parents and sometimes that means the relationship cannot go on and sometimes in reality that will be better for the queer child than if they try and try and try and i think we all know as people when those things are over i have friends who do not speak to their families and actually yeah. that is horrible and hard but in doing so you know it has changed their life and their own ability to accept themselves and accept different kinds of love and create family in other ways as we do as mm. queer people, you know, than it would if they tried to stay at home. So if you're at home, you know, with family members who don't understand you, first of all, know that, you know, it is not your job to teach them to understand you. It is your job to try and understand yourself. And if you have to do that under your covers, behind a closed door, if you have to put a lock on your door, do it, you know, you deserve it. And then second mm. of all, yeah, that, I guess that's, that's actually kind of what I, what I was meaning. Does that make sense? You surely, you have a wealth of advice. What do you think too? You know, from my experiences, I got outed and then I ran away. Mm, I baby. got outed in school and went through a horrible, horrible time. And that was effectively how I came out to my parents. And to be honest, it, if that hadn't have happened, I'm I'm not entirely sure if I would have come out. Really? Because, yeah, because at the time I had a girlfriend and... Um, the guy that I was, who outed me, I mean, we were obviously doing like things on the side mm. and uh, our girlfriends were really good friends. So I, I'm not okay. entirely sure if I would have totally. gone down the gay path rather than the straight path in what a lot of my friends from school have actually done. Mm. Um, but then when it did happen, then I just upped and left. I just hustled really hard to get, the grades that I needed to get a full scholarship on the other side of the world to study for a long course in medicine. And yeah, that, that was me done. So 
I think looking at it now, the weird thing about being in this job is I, I'm every single day, people contact me with experiences that they're going through that I know I would not have been able to deal with. Mm -hmm. Like the idea when I was outed, if my parents hadn't put on like the brave face they did to try and rally around me and make sure I was okay, I genuinely, I wouldn't be here. I just, I would not yeah. be here today. Full stop. Yeah. So the idea of like young queer people are hustling through even if they don't have the support from people that are supposed to have their backs and like the ones who are supposed to have their backs, madness. But I do think, you know, again, if you're at home, remember that I guess it won't always be like this. And I think actually us three on this conversation are kind of testament to that in that mm. like, you know, it is not always going to be like the worst moment of misunderstanding. Actually, the you know, the remember that, you know, eventually you will able, you will be able to leave, however that might be. It might take a little yes. longer than expected, but like remember that and keep that as sort of the driving force and like keep watching those, you know, keep watching those drag videos and keep, you know, do it in the middle of the night, set your alarm for 2 a.m. I know it's like such, you know, the advice would so not be that, but in practicality, the advice mm. is like, do it in secret, fuck them. Don't let them see your gift. They don't deserve to, you know, like do it for you, you know? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's kind of a weird one, isn't it, this whole conversation? Because it's just, you know, I think we've we've we can all relate. And it's 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 like Cristala said, it's not something that we can give, you know, a yes or no like answer to but it's just I think important for people to know that whether they don't know them or whether they do know them there's people out there going through the same thing there's mm. organizations to reach out to there's Facebook groups that you can join you know whether it is just you know logging on and watching you know a drag queen live show however you know traumatizing that might be um there, there's things to do to give you just that little bit of thing and during the day to get through you know and I would say that that first that is like the first thing to think about re what to do in terms of like you know try to make space where you can go out for a walk and watch it there or you know you know d don't have the conversations if it's too hard seek support through friends or through instagram or through whatever and then i think the other thing that i would say is really try to avoid you know internalizing any guilt or yes. shame oh. that you 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 feel you know that is pu pushed on to you by sort of judgmental or misunderstanding family members like you are not what they say you are you know what I mean mm. and I think I, that is a huge thing that I carried with me for so long after mm. I left home you know was a lot of deep shame and also guilt that I was really like letting my family and my friends from where I'm from down 
And the truth is, no, you're not what they say. We're just really try not to internalize that. Ben, did you say you studied to be a doctor? Because I studied to be a vet. Did oh my god! I did. Us. I know look, how look weird. At us. <laughs> yes, I was studying medicine. Wild. I was on a full scholarship in Malaysia. In Malaysia. In Malaysia, and oh, yeah. How old you when you went there? Oh my gosh, that was. Uh, I was eighteen, nineteen. Something like that. Wow, was that scary? Going, leaving London, and going to Malaysia. You know, the scariest thing about it was that it's illegal to be gay over there. And I didn't actually Google it enough to work that out. So Mm. it was only once I'd landed and our campus had like three mosques on it. And I was just thinking, oh gosh, like this is, this is interesting. Okay. Right. And then, um, someone basically told me, I think someone just commented on Facebook at the time, which is like, oh, you're in Malaysia. Oh, don't you know that it's like illegal to be gay? It's like Sharia law. So you can actually be killed for it. Um, and then it kind of hit me. I was like, oh. Okay. Uh, but it didn't actually stop how I live my life over there, to be honest. Right. That was one of the strangest things. It's like it it kind of forced me to get to know my sexuality a lot more and yeah. how that actually inter-whatevered with my actual identity. Mm. Because right. I think over here, yeah. a lot of my friends who were growing up and kind of could own their queerness, they were becoming like a certain way. And it was mm-hmm. almost a lot of, it was like, you know, they say like there's a homogenous group of like <laughs> gay and queer. It, yeah. it was like that, like people were becoming what they saw on TV and what they saw on yeah. social media and stuff. But because yeah. I was removed from that in Malaysia, I kind of had to work out who I was on right. my own. And what did it right. mean for me as a gay man to to be over there and, and become me, Ben Hunt? So and you were- so had you come out by the time you had gone to Malaysia at age? Yeah, yeah. So I, so I, as a result of being outed in my area of London, mm. because I went to grammar school, it meant that almost everyone was going to university and everyone was going to be spreading out around the UK to various different universities. So there wasn't going to be a university that I could go to in this country where someone that had been from my school or from one of the sister schools was not going to go to. Right. So it would have been like it would have been like history repeating itself of getting somewhere. And my biggest fear would have been like, if I didn't want to come out to some people at the university mm-hmm. and then someone would have been like, Oh, but that's Ben Hunt. He was outed in, in our school in East London. And actually, right. blah, blah, blah. so I made the conscious decision that I was going to get as far as I could from the UK for a few right. years, kind of like let things settle and learn about myself. Okay. And boy, Malaysia challenged that. My yeah. gosh. Wow. Um, it made no sense, like absolutely yeah. to this day, even if, if just talking about yeah. Malaysia. And coming coming back to London then after like that experience of like like cringy title self discovery, um, did you mm. come back like uber confident and more self self aware? I in a way because I actually started up an uh, events agency and a magazine out in Malaysia, so I started up their, oh. their first international students magazine in English, mm-hmm. and I started up their first student events agency. So I gave Malaysia their first Freshers Week, which is yes, great. you did. Even, even though, even though alcohol is like illegal over there, was there funny. was like a real British Freshers Week, and we made some coin in the process as well. Wow! Um, oh, but no, I actually. Oh, of course, of course. Like, Asia was a real moment of like self-discovery. I was like, literally, Lord Alan Sugar out there. Um, can I ask your your background as well? You're you're from London, but your family's Caribbean. Is that correct? Yeah. So my family is Guyanese. So I'm actually from the only country in the Americas where it's still illegal to be gay. 
what does your family think of all that? Like, what did your family think of you coming out yeah. and now you just be huge, you know, I suppose role model as well for, for people um, from your country as well and over here? Yeah, I think my family's really confused by it, to be honest. I mean, they've, they've never uh, been, they've been so supportive, but they're just like, it just doesn't make sense. Like when you actually break it down, the idea of me even being in this role for one is strange. But then prior to this role, I was working for BBC Africa. So I was all about like black stories, positive black stories, mm -hmm. like bringing in like real um, African experiences, but changing like what you hear about African experiences because they're usually really negative. Mm -hmm. And to go from that role where in the vast majority of countries that I was broadcasting to, it is illegal to be gay and people being killed to be gay, for being gay. Um, from that role to this, it's just like, it's a complete, it's a complete flip. So I right. think my family were trying to just follow me on that trajectory and just being like, what the hell? Trying to um, understand you as it went, like as you were trying to understand it. Yeah, right? exactly that, exactly that. So to go from, if you kind of like track my social media, I went from not speaking at all about being gay, being queer, being LGBT, to suddenly being out in these streets waving a rainbow flag. And mm -hmm. it, was, it was strange as well, because before becoming a journalist, I was an LGBT YouTuber. And I think me and like my 50,000 or so subscribers on that platform would agree that I wasn't, I wasn't like a, an LGBT role model. I was just talking about myself, my relationships and stuff, but it wasn't in the context of like, this is me waving a rainbow flag. Yeah, gay rights. Mm. It was kind of just, it was just, it was a lot more casual than that. So for me, this role is fascinating because it's forcing me to really understand what people expect from me as mm. a black gay man in this kind of role. Because regardless of whether I want to be a role model or not, it's kind of like I'm forced to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. It's like when when you're the first in something, it's like regardless of whether you want to make a, a legacy and and have people inspired and whatever. It's just like regardless, like anything I do will either be really great or really bad. There's like right. there's not a, a midway point for that. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's quite a it's quite a it's a lot, it's a lot to take in, to be honest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's that a, is a to, lot to just think in. about what it means. Yeah. The deeper meaning. Yeah. Yeah. You want like you you want you want this and the, you not this, but you want something and then you you kind of get in and you're like, wait, is did I actually want this? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Obviously, like, yeah. you know, when you're going for the job of, you know, the BBC's first ever LGBT correspondent, mm -hmm. you don't necessarily know all the things that come with it. And so you yeah. don't know if you want this. You know, but I you know, frankly, if I was to give, if I was to, you know, choose an iconic role model, Ben, it would be you. So, frankly, oh, bless we're you. we're lucky to have you. You know, someone so humble and sweet. You could be yeah. a real diva. Mike, some people. No, it's it's true, and I think it's the 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 biggest thing for me is. I knew that regardless of whatever investigations I do, whatever stories I do and all of that, the biggest impact I can make is representation. Right, and I think that's why people reach out to me with their experiences is because, it's not because they've heard about my investigation into the number of hate crimes that have risen in the UK. It is as a result of seeing me on Twitter, holding my puppy next to my boyfriend when they haven't seen that level of like positive representation of them in their lives before. Do you know what I mean? So I think it's the, as much as I love an investigation, as much as I love a juicy newsline and all of that, it was a really humbling experience for me to just jump into this role and realize what this actually meant for people who have been struggling their entire lives with 
this idea of who they are and what they are to mm. see someone just living at large on a stage and being out as long as I don't really like saying out but as seeing someone that's out and proud about who they are and yeah I guess their experiences because totally I suppose from a to get deep and racial about it when I was growing up I and the, one of the reasons I didn't think I could be gay and one of the reasons I I was living my best bi- bisexual life is because I did I did not know that you could be black and gay. Mm, wow. I just didn't. There was there was no concept yeah, in my mind. How could you? How could you know that? There was no culture. There was no like culture. Yeah, there was no there was nothing. It was literally me and Derek from Big Brother, and that yeah. was it. Yeah. And it was just like so. I was like, right. So do I need to suddenly be a fox hunting, ultra conservative, posh sounding black man in order to be a black gay man? Yeah. So I suppose that for me now is kind of like jumping on this platform mm. and just trying to be myself and living out loud. To some people, they'll be like, oh my God, it's so cringe. Like, why is he out here with his puppy again? Why is he out here with his boyfriend? Well, boo, this is not for you. And it's simple as that. Like this is, and it doesn't need to be for you because the person that I'm trying to live out as at the moment is the person that I need to see growing up. I had one little tiny question, just very small. Who was your very first gay crush? As oh a young kid. That's a good question. He was my first good crush. Me, uh, Andy. Crystal Rasmussen, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Icon. Um, who was it? Let me try and think. Oh, you know what? It was probably like Leonardo DiCaprio. Someone mine was, was, was mine. My sister was 10 years older. So it was like, it was a thing to have posters around Titanic here. Yes. Yeah. And I went to see Titanic and the entire time I was sorry, I'm just obsessed. I was seven years old, seven going on eight, and I was just like <sighs> the whole time. And I remember also, when I my love pop- you. Kenny, I love you screaming. Like it was mine as if like everybody's <laughs> no Kenny, everybody's <laughs> crush was Leonardo DiCaprio. Really Every wasn't. single <laughs> person's crush. You're like, no. No, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> but also, I remember with my pocket money, as, as an eight-year-old, I bought the Titanic soundtrack and a poster of Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. And, when I, and when I brought it home, my mom's like, you are not fucking hanging that up. Throw it in the bin. <laughs> so I, pretend, I pretended to throw it in the bin and I hid it under my bed and I would yeah, take it out at night and kiss him and be like... <laughs> <laughs> Dad. Oh my god, what does it say that I used to do that to, to posters of Celine Dion, literally? I knew you were going to say Celine Dion. Because like, yeah, I guess I wanted to be Celine Dion, not be with her. I guess so. I, I, I remember when I was 13, speaking of posters, I had posters of Sarah Michelle Gellar from Buffy. and yes. Post- yes. Yeah. Uh, posters of Gwen Stefani and posters of, you know, remember Tattoo? I was obsessed with Tattoo. And I think one of the reasons I loved them was because they were so, we're gay. Joke, ironic. But I remember seeing uh, my parents, I overheard them speaking. They went into my room and they were looking at pictures of like, you know, Tattoo like kissing and stuff. And they were like, at least we know he's not gay. Surprise, bitch! <laughs> We stand. We truly stand. We truly, truly stand. A real good thing to. Yeah, I know. I was like, I remember hearing them saying that and going, oh, fuck, they're in for a big surprise. Like, me blaring tattoo was kind of me saying, I'm a raging homo. I could see how they took that the wrong way. Anyway, we're here now. We're here and we're queer. 
Um, honestly, Ben, it has been such a pleasure to have you with us today. It's honestly so easy and beautiful to chat to you. Um, oh, thank you. You know, and thank you for being such a wonderful role model and, you know, voice in our community. You really do us proud, Queen. Thank you for having me. I really, really appreciate it, especially in these times. So, yeah. Okay, so I'll go first because, um, you know. It's nice for you to be number one for a change. I'll allow it. Go on. Fair, fair. Um, um, so I have nothing to say to that. Um, dear Candy and Crystal, I was recently dating my cousin's stepbrother, but last week he ghosted me. Usually I wouldn't care and would convince myself he died to save myself from ever thinking of him again, but we'll be seeing each other at the family gathering, so it's bound to be awkward. What should I do? Ignore him or have it out with him? Grace from Lowestoft. Oh, Grace. Um, I just want to clear one thing up, uh, Christelle. Um, if, if, I'm not sure if it's in the longer letter, but just what she means by ghosting, because I know for some people ghosting is, you know, when somebody doesn't text or, or, or call back, but to us, ghosting is the, the act of uh, resurrecting spirits and, and mm-hmm. fucking them. Um, yes, yeah. Dark, dark occult um, sexual act. Um, uh, for example, you know, it could be a Tuesday, Tuesday afternoon, and myself and Christelle will resurrect, you know, uh, David Guest or Dale Winton and just have it out with them for the night. So does she mean that? Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 